Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Tonight's message is supposed to be on abundance, and it will be. But maybe I need to take it in a little bit different direction tonight. Let's think about, you know, when you talk about abundance, right away people think of money, and, and, and that is part of the message. And, uh, but we just witnessed a group of individuals come up here that understood that they needed to, they need an abundance of grace, an abundance of, of God's empowerment in order to accomplish what God's challenged them to do. You know, and God never challenges us to do anything without him ready to supply the grace that is required. Now, now we hear a lot of talk about grace, and we should, we should. You see, the Holy Spirit revives things that, that grow dim every once in a while. And you'll notice this if you've been in Christianity for any number of years, if you study church history. You know, when people talk about revival, you, you can only revive something that once was vived. You can't revive something that never was. And so revival is nothing more than the Holy Spirit reemphasizing something that the church may have lost throughout the years. Okay, so in this revival of grace that, that has taken place in the past 10 to 15 years, um, we needed that. But, but there's, and I'm, I'm praying that God will raise up somebody in a national level that will talk about the rest of grace, the rest of what, what, what grace does for us. You see, we've, we've heard a lot of talk about how grace, you know, you, you know covers us and grace um, enables God to continue to love us even when we sin and things of this nature. And, you know, we, we understand that. We, we, we've got it. But there's this another side of grace that's revealed in the scriptures that we don't talk enough about. It's, that's the grace that empowers us to do things that are impossible for us to do in our own strength. And every individual in the scriptures that's talked about, at one point in their, in their life, at one point in their mission for God, they had to tap into a grace. They had to tap into an empowerment that was not there before. And when we do, that grace comes in a very abundant way. It comes in a flood. And so the individuals that came up here tonight, I want you to understand that the key statement that we made tonight was this. Father, by faith, we receive the grace that we need to walk out this forgiveness to release this bitterness. Now, look, tonight was the beginning of the process. I don't think I've ever seen a person be able to just forgive like this and then there's no memory of it, there's no anything. I don't think I've ever seen that happen. It's never happened in my life. I don't think I've ever seen it happen in any lives. What ends up happening is it's a process. It's a process. And, and that process is a process of change in us. It's a, it's a process of transformation. You see, when you realize how much you have been forgiven, and when you realize how much you need to be forgiven, like, like our sister here said, how can I not forgive when God's forgiven me so much? And I think this is the reason why the Apostle Paul was so greatly used by God because he realized the grace of God that was on him, and he talks so much about grace. In fact, he talks about grace more than anybody in the scriptures. It's because he also recognized how great a sinner he was. 
And I know we don't like to talk about this part. You know, we like to talk about our new nature. We don't like to talk about the old man. <coughs> but you want to know something? I've come to realize that I've seen that some of the most powerful men and women of God are the ones that realize what they were capable of without him. People who have stumbled, people who have maybe um, were very aware of the sin that was in their lives. Now, I'm not saying that we should go home and constantly focus on that. But when you realize how powerful his forgiveness is, you won't dare withhold it from anybody. The other thing, too, is that that grace is available to us as much as we want it, but you have to receive it by faith. If you don't receive it by faith, you're going to think you, you deserve that grace, and none of us deserve that grace. Jesus is the only one that deserved that grace. And yet Jesus had the grace of God on him. So let me jump into this message. There's no way we're going to finish it tonight, which is just as well as so I have my message for next Wednesday. Yeah, when you do five services a week, you know, you know, you take a break once in a while, it's okay. So can we understand tonight, and, and so we can kind of shift and transition. Number one, I hope you learned something about what I shared about spiritual realities. Okay, we are spiritual beings. You're sitting here with a flesh and blood and bone body. You have a soul, your emotions, your personality is very, you know, identifiable. But you see, that's not who we really are. We are spirit beings. God created us in his likeness and in his image. He's spirit. We are spirit beings. That's who's going to live forever. Not this body. And yet lately, we, we place so much emphasis on this body. And we need to take care of the, we're the temples of the Holy Ghost. We need to take care of this. But you know, earlier today, it was kind of like, you ever have a conversation with God in your head? And I, and I was like, he was starting to speak some realities to me about, you know, um, one of these days, if Jesus doesn't come back yet, every single one of us are going to have to make that transition from this natural realm to the spiritual realm. And it was like, I just got this picture. And I, try, I'm not looking for it to happen soon, but I just got this picture of when we're released, it's like, we go through something. We're going to go through something. We're going to get rid of everything that was of the earth, everything that was physical. And we're going to just like, and I just saw, you know, the Bible in Hebrews talks about us being flames of ministers of fire, flames of fire. And I just saw us like a human being going through like this filter and coming out the other side, a flame of fire and release of everything that was from this earth, everything soulish. Because I don't care how spiritual you are, you still entertain things in your soul that are not godly. It could be attitudes. It could be the way you think about yourself. It could be the way you think about others. It could be anything. But the day's going to come when we're transformed. And so this is what I found myself praying. Father, help me to pay more attention to my spirit than I do to my body and my soul because they're not going to live forever. My spirit's going to live forever. And yet, how are we on this earth? We pay so much more attention to the physical and that's why, even from the beginning of this year, we keep saying this is the year for us to be more aware of the supernatural, more, real, more aware of the realm of the spirit than we are the natural. And this ties in with this. We're so concentrated on this. And, and granted, 
We need to take care of our bodies. I want to take care of my body. I want to be here to preach the gospel as long as I possibly can. But this flesh is going to deteriorate. We're going to have to lay it aside someday. And the real person that we are is what's going to survive for all of eternity. And so pay attention to your spirit. Make sure that you're, you're reading the word. Make sure that you're spending time with God. Make sure that you're nurturing yourself. Make sure, and again, if you have not received that gift of, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and that heavenly language, you need this. Jesus said you need this. Go read John chapter seven, John chapter eight. You need this. That's what's gonna build your spirit up. Amen? Amen? And it'll happen in abundance because when God gives you something, he never gives it to you in a drop. Amen? Amen. He gives you a gift that's going to explode on the inside of you. Now, it'll come in as a seed, but it never stays a seed. Amen? So, how about if I introduce this and then we'll finish it next week, all right? We're good? Has anybody gotten blessed so far tonight? Just a couple, okay. All right, again, when you talk about abundance, most people expect you to be talking about wealth and money and things, and and we'll start out with that, but that's not where we're going to end. Because money, wealth, and finances have been a very controversial topic among believers and non-believers alike. I don't care if you're a Christian, non-Christian. As soon as you mention money, people's nose get twisted or they're going to start talking stupid. They're going to start talking, you know, based on their experiences. But the fact is most people in the world, and, and, and unfortunately in church, think it's okay for a sinner to have wealth while it's very devout for a believer to be living in poverty. I don't know where this idea came from because it's totally unscriptural. And most people think it's an ungodly desire for abundance based, only, only based upon the fact that they really don't know what the scriptures have to say about the subject of wealth. And we're going to start out with that. Let's get that out of the way because that's probably, again, the first thing people think about. It was a few years ago that pastor Robert Jeffers, some of you may have seen him on some of the news broadcasts, he completed a $130 million building project, $130 million church building project in the middle of Dallas, Texas, First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. He took a lot of criticism. I remember when this first started going on. But the building went up to the glory of God. 1.5 million square feet of sanctuary, classrooms, age-appropriate playgrounds. It's considered to be the largest Protestant building project in history, and it's all for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, some people had a lot of problems with that. You know who the people, the most people who had the problems with that? People in the churches. What does he need to spend that kind of, if you're in the middle of Dallas, are you kidding me? You know how expensive property is in the middle of Dallas? You know how expensive property is here? Imagine the middle of Dallas. Yet, this man built this place so that from, from infants all the way up to seniors would have their needs met. Places where people could gather and have fellowship. Playgrounds for the children. Massive sanctuaries with state-of-the-art um, technology. Why shouldn't that be that way? If we have the greatest message that the world has ever has ever heard, the greatest message that the world needs to hear. Should we, be, should we be purposely presenting it in some shabby shack someplace? 
Now, in, in countries where there's no choice right now, there are people that are probably meeting right now in those kind of situations. And God's glory is showing up there. Okay? But for, for maybe a person that's living in a straw shack, a concrete block building with just a couple of planks on top, to them, that's progress. And God's doing that all the time. But consider this, if you would. Now, now listen to me. The reason I'm teaching this tonight is I want us to change our mindset in some things. The church thinks too small. It does. It thinks too small. I could go into some things here and probably aggravate some people tonight, but we'll see if it comes out later. Um, but the church in general thinks too small. If you really honestly, if, the, if every believer truly honestly understood the magnitude of the message of the gospel, then we would throw everything we have, all of our time, all of our energy, all of our, everything we've got, everything that we possess, everything that we are capable of would be thrown into getting that gospel message out. I remember years ago, John, some of you know Rick Renner. Um, you follow his, his uh, devotionals, and um, he's got that sparkling gems. Does anybody get those devotionals, week, um, daily devotionals? Uh, if you don't have them, email me, and I'll send you one, and you can get on there from there. Rick Renner is probably the top Greek scholar right now, um, yeah, biblical scholar right now, and he pastors a, a church in Moscow, uh, probably the biggest church in Russia. Um, he told a story one time that um, a gentleman came to speak at his church. I know who it was now. A gentleman, a fellow minister came to speak at the first church that he started in one of the Eastern European countries. I believe it was Latvia. Um, he said the first time that this gentleman came there, the church was so poor, the only offering he could receive is they loaded up the front altar, the platform with flowers, a place that they were, and was known, was known for their beautiful flowers. He said it was just, it was just a, a regular community hall. Just, just flowers, that's all they could give him. They couldn't pay him, they couldn't pay his expenses, couldn't pay anything, all they could give him. He said he came back five years later. He said they were in their own building, beautifully furnished, congregation had doubled and tripled. And so this minister said to Rick Renner, what happened here? What happened here? He said, well, when the people got on fire for God and they, they recognized that we were teaching the word and that it was what their Bible said, it wasn't what the priest said or this one said or this other person said. It was exactly what the Bible said. They got so on fire, they sold everything they had. They sold their pots and pans. They sold their silverware. They sold, they sold whatever possessions they had. He said, and we ended up buying this place for cash. Do you know what that means in an Eastern European nation? What happened? They recognized the significance and the magnitude of the message. They also recognized that they served a God of abundance, not a God of poverty. What other, if you think about the man-made religions of this earth, I can't think of one of them that actually encourages wealth in their, in their individuals. If anything, the idols always want more and want more and want more and want more. And what do they get in return? Disease, sickness, earthquakes, natural disasters, man-made disasters, lack of food. 
internal strife within those countries. Why? Because you're going to manifest what you worship. They worship dead idols. They worship gods of poverty. They worship gods of disease. And therefore, they get what they, get what they worship. And that's why it's so important for us to be so mindful that this word has to get to those dark countries. Are you listening tonight? So, if you consider this, every time that God gave a project to anyone in the Bible, it required an abundance of something. An abundance of grace, an abundance of faith. You think about Abraham's life. Abraham couldn't accomplish anything he did if he hadn't gotten faith. Now, where did that faith come from? Well, Abraham was a father of faith. Well, where did it come from? It came from God. God said, I can entrust this to him because I know he's going to pass this down to his children and grandchildren. If you look at the lineage, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then the tribes of Israel, these were mighty men of faith. They walked in the reality that God was going to meet their needs. Amen? Amen? When God gave a project to someone in the Bible, sometimes it required an enormous amount of wealth. We'll talk about that in a little while. What about anointing? How are you going to carry out something supernatural if God doesn't give you the supernatural in abundance? Think about those great prophets in the Old Testament, the miraculous things that they brought to pass. How did, they didn't do it in their own strength. They did it because God, with an assignment, always gives you the anointing to carry out that assignment. Now, here's the neat thing about it. Thank God that we're living in the age that we're living now. See, in the Old Testament, God would supply the anointing and supply it in abundance, but it was temporary. A king would be anointed to go and accomplish a certain thing, maybe fight a battle. As soon as the battle was over with, poof, that anointing lifted. And then they turn, next day they're doing something stupid. The prophets of God. You'll see over and over again in the Old Testament this phrase, and the hand of the Lord was upon. Well, what's that hand of the Lord? That's the anointing. That's the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's the, listen, it's the grace of God empowering someone to accomplish a certain thing. But guess what? Now, in this dispensation that we live in, in this age that we live in now, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. He never left. He doesn't lift off of you. If you're a believer, he lives inside you. John said, you have an unction on the inside of you. He lives there. He resides there. He's not going anywhere. See, we can't pray a prayer like David prayed, Psalm 51. He prayed that God would not take his spirit from him. You can't pray that prayer now. The spirit can't leave you. Why? Because he gave him to you in abundance. To reside, to abide, to dwell. Not to come just stop by to visit once in a while. You know, when I was a kid, we lived next door to my, my grandparents. And... Um, you know, sometimes familiarity breeds contempt when you're too close. You, you just, you don't want to go there. And, and she had a nasty personality anyway. And, uh, you know, when you would go next door, or maybe you, later on when we moved from that area and they still lived there, you know, we would stop by because it was a convenient bathroom break, you know, they were, where they were situated. And as soon as you walk in, oh, you come for five minutes? Yeah, with that attitude, yeah. But see, the Holy Ghost is not like that. When God sent, when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came to stay. And remember, the Holy Spirit couldn't come until Jesus left. But he came to stay. And so that anointing that you have in you, 
and you have it in you. Well, I'm not in full-time ministry. Honey, you don't need to be in full-time ministry. You're a believer. You have a ministry. That's the ministry of reconciliation that the Apostle Paul revealed to us in his writings. He said that you're, you're, you're Christ's ambassadors. It's like God is making a plea through you to the rest of the world to be reconciled. You ha- Listen to me. You have the anointing in you, and you have it in abundance. Okay? It's enough for you to accomplish what you need to accomplish as a believer. Now listen. Well, can the anointing be increased? Let's put it this way. Your sensitivity to his presence can be increased. But he's there. He's there. Turn to somebody and say, he's there. And he's waiting to move through you. He's waiting to speak through you. He's waiting to pray through you. He's waiting for you to put your hands on somebody and lay hands on the sick and see them start to recover. Now, when he puts you on assignment, you're more aware. You're more aware. And so what happens? When you're more aware, you're more sensitive to the fact that, well, I have this. I got to use it. Amen? What about zeal? What about prayer? What about material things? Look at Noah and the ark. Look at David. All he amassed so that his son Solomon could build that temple. Jesus himself required all these things in abundance. I want you to listen closely. Say, well, Jesus is God. Calm down. I'm not saying he's not God. We know that he's God. How many of you know that Jesus was God? How many know that he is God? How many know he's always going to be God? How many know he didn't operate as God on the earth, though? Thank you. Jesus operated as a man or a woman on the earth, as a believer on the earth, filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how he operated. What are you saying, Pastor? Well, how else could he be an example to us? Could he tell us that, that we're going to do the greater works than he did if he's God? If he operated as God on the earth, could that be an example to us? No. Why? Because you're not God. I'm not God. I'm a man, you're a man or a woman, a believer, filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Now, we can follow that example, right? And so Jesus operated all these things in abundance when he was on the earth. Jesus required all of these things. The grace of God was both on him and flowed through him. John chapter 1 says that grace and truth came by Jesus. Amen? Amen? He operated in the God kind of faith. Anything the Holy Spirit told him to do, he was able to do. He taught us the principles of Mark chapter 11, verse 23, 24. You remember those scriptures? Do you remember? I guess not. Let's put those scriptures up there. Mark 11, 23, 24. New King James is good. I want you to lift your eyes up tonight. I want you to open your eyes. I want you to to see God in a different light. Please, the greatest tragedy that any believer can do is to measure God by your personal experience. I'm going to say it again. Somebody should write this down. Somebody should post it on Facebook. The greatest tragedy in life of believers is for you to measure God by your experience, not by his word. He's a whole lot greater than your experience has ever been. Mark 11, 23. For surely I say, that, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he what? Says. Next verse. 
Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. What is that? That's the way God operates. Now go back to verse 22. You remember this story? Jesus had cursed a fig tree. And they came back the next day and the thing was dead from the roots. Now nothing dies that quick. Even if you threw chemicals on it, it wouldn't die that quick. So the disciples took note and said, wow, he spoke to this thing yesterday, today, it's already dead. And so in answer to that, Peter, and I went back to 20, that's good. Peter asked a question, go back to 21, you had it right. Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you curse has withered away. Verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. In, in the, if we were reading this in original language, it would say, have the God kind of faith. What's the God kind of faith? God kind of faith is this. God spoke and it came to pass. Now Jesus operated that in abundance. You remember? Yeah, he couldn't teach us this if he didn't operate it in abundance. So he operated in abundance of faith. He operated in abundance of grace. The God, the Father, always supplied everything Jesus needed. Everything. From the time he was born, God supplied everything he needed. Oh, pastor, what are you saying? He was born in a little stable in Bethlehem. He was born in a stable in Bethlehem, and he was in that stable for maybe 24 hours. He didn't live there the rest of his life. Did you ever stay in a, in a horrible hotel and you, you decide you're never going to go back there again? <laughs> Would you want somebody to judge you by that one night that you spent at Hotel Six? <laughs> you see what I'm talking about? Yeah, people judge. Oh, he was born in a stable. He was there one night. It was a matter of convenience. Come on. Stop thinking religiously. I, we, I, Pastor Pam, Pastor Cap, and I, my wife, one time we were coming back from Tulsa. We stopped in a hotel in Ohio. It was so disgusting. We all slept. You guys, you, you said you slept with your clothes on. We slept with our clothes on in our room. Go, go to, to the bathroom, go to try to take a shower in the morning, and the tiles were coming up from the floor to stick it to my feet. I wouldn't want to be associated with that hotel. Oh, that's Joe Source. He stayed at that hotel here in Cambridge, Ohio. <laughs> Yet people do that all the time about Jesus. But think about this. Did three people show up when you were born and, start, and bring you gold? <laughs> the best they brought you was a rattle. <laughs> maybe a onesie. <laughs> box of diapers. When he was born, they showed up and brought gold. What's a baby need gold for? Well, when a baby's going to have to live out in exile in Egypt for a couple years, gold comes in handy. You listening? All the way to the point when he needed a donkey to ride into Jerusalem, and God supplied it. Had somebody try to argue with me on, online one time, I don't know if it was Facebook or emails or whatever. Jesus was poor. He lived in miserable poverty. I, I said, maybe your Jesus did. <laughs> My Jesus did. Well, he didn't own anything. What are you going to own when you're only going to be here for a few years? He knew how long he was going to be here. When he needed a house, he had a house. When he needed a place to preach, he had a place to preach. When he needed food, he had food. When he needed clothes, he had clothes. When did anybody ever argue over your clothes? The Roman soldiers gambled over his, over his clothing. You don't gamble over rags. 
Get your head out of the mud. Roman soldiers, probably the highest paid soldiers in the world at that time, gambled for one of his coats. Am I saying he lived in, in, in luxury? No, but he had what he needed. And he had enough to supply other people's needs. And if he didn't have it, he made it. Seriously, get your head out of this religious thinking. Why? Because it's affecting the way you live everyday life. Because you see God that way, it's affecting your life. You've got to open your eyes and see God bigger than what he is. Those of you that come up here tonight, he is abundantly capable of giving you the grace you need to forgive the worst offense that's ever happened to you. But if you don't see him as a God of abundance, you're going to measure him through your experience. Jesus is the anointed one. The anointing flowed, overflowed from him. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Amen. And that same anointing that was on him is on you. Amen. But, but, but he used it. We hold on to it. He used it. He allowed it to flow from him. He allowed it to affect others. Amen. We're walking around in a world where we got people dying all around us. They might be smiling, but on the inside they're dying. And we hold on to this. We hold, we hold on to it. Like it's like if we, we just, if I give too much of it, I'm not going to have any left. Wow. Talking about abundance of zeal. Jesus, the passion for the plan of God fueled everything he did. He prayed constantly in order to hear God's plans. So when he operated, he operated in abundance. It's God's desire for every one of his children to live an extraordinary life. None of us have been created for mediocrity. None of us. That's why we're not comfortable in it. And that's going to require us to reject this poverty or scarcity mentality and to embrace a kingdom mentality of abundance in all good things, in everything, in everything. Start thinking abundantly. Start thinking bigger. Start thinking, well, start, start thinking about how you can bless somebody. Start thinking about how you can help somebody. Start thinking about how much your prayer life can be just abundant and abundant and abundant. And just, and just pray. Well, I don't have a lot of time to pray. Uh, honey, if everybody here prayed one minute a day for one particular subject, do you know how much prayer would go forth? Don't minimize. Let me just tell you one story real quick, and then we'll stop for tonight. We'll pick up on this. Did you get anything tonight? When I just went out to, when I went out to Tulsa just a few weeks ago, um, <clears throat> one of the instructors that's been here to speak quite a few times over the years, Doug Jones, he was doing one of the morning sessions. You know, I was there for the whole week to have a seminar that goes on uh, every February. It's called Winter Bible Seminar. Um, Monday morning, the very first session was, was Doug Jones. And he talked about something he had shared in a video with all of us that belong in that group. Steve, did you get one? Did you get that video with Doug sharing about? Exactly, yeah. Um, we got Pastor Steve Pereira back there. If anyone wants to say hello, say hi, Steve. He, uh, he sent us this video, and it really touched my heart. Basically, he was saying was this. In the, the group, the association that we belong to, the ministerial association we belong to, there's thousands and thousands of ministers all over the world. Most are in this country, but there's, there's thousands all over. 
And so whenever someone passes away that belongs to the ministerial association, either the, either the person that was a minister or the spouse, everyone gets an email. And uh, everyone's invited to pray or to send a gift or a card or condolences or anything like this. And so what, 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 this, what our instructor was saying was that it convicted him because him being the supervisor over this whole ministerial, he's like, how can I do this? How can I, you know, I would love to be able to send 100 or couple hundred or whatever. I'd love to be able to send a big gift, but let's face it, you know, when you're doing it personally, your finances are limited. And so he got uh, a note from one of the widows of a minister. And uh, in that note, it stated how she was so blessed to receive the $20 from here and the $10 from here and another 20 from here and maybe just a card from here because it showed her how, how cared for she was. She sh it showed her the heart of the, of the organization, showed, us, showed her the heart of all her fellow ministers. And um, he was saying that he committed then at that point in time that he wouldn't be embarrassed to just send a $20 bill. You know, sometimes we're prevented because we're embarrassed because we think, what's my little bit going to do? But a little in our hands, when we put it in God's hands, becomes a lot. And, and so it just spoke of the abundance of God it's the heart abundance that matters more than anything. And yeah, it'd be great if every person in the organization could send $100 to this person, but sometimes you just don't find yourself. But it's, what's better, to not do anything? Now you see, we do the same thing on an everyday basis sometimes. We might have a coworker that we know is going through something, and we say, well, what's the little thing that I'm going to say? How's it going to help them? We know somebody that might be struggling, and we say, well, with that $10 I'm going to give them, how's that going to help them? <clears throat> and so what do we do? We hold back. We draw back. Oh, what's my feeble little prayer? You know, I don't know how to pray like Sister Pam, or I don't know how to pray like, you know, Maria. I don't know how to pray like them, or I don't know how to pray, pray like her, so I won't pray. Do, do we not understand that God honors the heart more than anything else? And God will take that little bit that you're willing to give, that maybe that little word of encouragement to your, 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 your fellow coworker, maybe to your next-door neighbor, maybe to somebody that's living in your house, and, and make it abundant. Because God is a God of increase. And he always takes what you bring and what you bring and what you bring and what you bring, and he puts it all together, and then it becomes abundance. So please, let's leave tonight with this, this thought in mind. How about if we take the little bit, like that little boy with the fish and the bread? How about if we take our, the little bit that we have and just say, Lord, I'm going to take a step of faith. It might just be a, a little phrase, a little encouragement. It might be uh, just uh, maybe, maybe a, a little scripture on a piece of paper. Say, listen, I hope this encourages you. It might be $10 to, to somebody you've seen in a supermarket, uh, maybe a mom with about six kids trailing behind her. But do something. Put something in the hands of God. So many times people come and tell us, you know, Pastor, we'd love to help in the ministry. We'd love to serve, but I don't have that much time. An hour. Give an hour. God will take that hour and multiply it. And, and you walk away blessed. Because let me tell you something. You never give without God giving back to you. And it doesn't have to come back in the same thing you gave. Sometimes you walk away knowing, whoa, I just got used by God 
to bless somebody's life. You know, some of you read the post, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm going over here, but we're going to be done in a minute here. Some of you read the post that I shared today of our sister Kathy Ross. She's not here tonight, is she? Kathy, are you here? No, I don't see her. Kathy was a nurse for many, many, many years. Earned a lot of money. Then retired, and the only job she could find was in a supermarket. And I know this was what wearing on her. I know Kathy, she's a wonderful woman of God. You talk about a woman of faith, when you want somebody to stand in faith with you, you go to Kathy Ross, because this woman has been through hell and back. And she's still standing, and she's still got the joy of the Lord. And you ask her how you're doing, I'm blessed and highly favored. So she goes to work in the supermarket, and she shared the story that there was a woman that would come in, an older woman that was just always angry, always sad and always angry, just mean. And one day she said to her, can I ask you what's, what's wrong? She said, well, my daughter is full of cancer. And Kathy said, I'm going to pray for her. Then she didn't see the woman for months. And then just recently, if it was maybe yesterday or the day before, the woman came back to the place where she, where she works and saw her and said, you're the woman that's been praying for my daughter. She said, my daughter is cancer free. And she said, they both started crying because then Kathy realized this is the reason why I'm working in a supermarket to begin with. What happened? She took her little bit, and God turned it into abundance. And you tell me if that woman that's free of cancer today minded whether it was a long, melodious prayer in King James English or whether it was just a prayer, God, please heal this woman. You think it mattered to her? What? She has received an abundance of God's grace now in healing. Church, please. God's called us to reach our communities. God's called us to reach your sphere of influence. Take the little that you have and let God make an abundance in somebody's life. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Stand up. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.